The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. The Gospel of the Lord. So today we celebrate now the ascension of the Lord into heaven and we have in our readings from uh, both from St. Luke from the Acts of the Apostles which is a more developed if you will more developed uh, insight into the uh, the ascension where he gives us more details as the Lord was being lifted up it says and a cloud took him from their sight so he disappeared behind this veil and so if we look at then the gospel for today the Uh, details as are recounted to us from St. Luke, from the eyewitnesses. It begins with the words of Jesus. He says to his disciples, thus it is written. And in the sentence just before this, it says that the Lord did what he had done on multiple occasions after the resurrection, most especially on the road to Emmaus. It says that he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He opened their minds to receive the words with understanding so that they could understand what he had done, and the reasons for which he had suffered. And so the Lord begins to go through this again, reaffirming in their hearts the purpose of the passion. They are still recovering from the trauma of what they have experienced, the trauma of the passion, of living in Jerusalem in those times where St. Gregory says the great frenzy broke out, right? The great frenzy amongst the people, where the innocent one was snatched from them and was put to death so violently. And they are still in this type of recovery in their interior. And the way in which the Lord consoles them is by giving them understanding. This had to happen. This was necessary for the forgiveness of sins. But it is traumatic. And it is, again, should we, our hearts should be filled with sorrow at the sufferings of Christ. And so what he commissions them to do is to go out and preach the value of what has happened with that understanding of the passion and that their preaching should be filled with that call to repentance but then also the forgiveness of sins that repentance comes first contrition 
a sorrow for the sins that have caused the death of our Savior, but then not to despair in that, but that what the Lord meets, what, how the Lord comes to us in that state of repentance is now with forgiveness of sins. The mercy of God meets us in our repentance and contrition and wipes away this, our sins with all the graces of his passion. And so the Lord says, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. It is important that they began their preaching in Jerusalem. As the church fathers point out, this is the great sign of Christ's mercy. That in the very city where this violence broke out against him and where he was killed is the first place that he brings the call to repentance and to forgiveness. That he has met this city which he loves, which he has wept over. He meets Jerusalem with mercy even though Jerusalem is where he was killed. And it is this great sign of mercy that will bring to the Gentiles when they hear of it, that even those who crucified the Savior were offered forgiveness, that that brings a hope to everyone, that all sins can be forgiven if even the killing of the Son of God can be forgiven. You are witnesses of these things. These words are not just directed at the apostles, but at us as well. We are witnesses of these things, namely the passion, the death, the resurrection of Christ, and all the mysteries of his life. And today we celebrate one of those mysteries, his ascension, where he ascends to the glory that is due to him. He receives from on high the glory that has been his in his human nature, he receives that glory that has been his in his divinity from all eternity. But he tells them, it says, to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. St. Gregory says that this is a lesson for us, that to remain locked in the city is in a certain sense that we must also remain for periods of time in prayer that we must lock ourselves away, if you will, in the city of our own soul, of our mind and our heart, and contemplate these things that have happened, most especially the passion, the death, the resurrection of Christ. And in this prayerful contemplation of these mysteries, we then await the power and the movements of the Holy Spirit to then send us out from prayer to proclaim these great mysteries. But that first and foremost, Prayer is our foundation, the foundation of the interior life. And we know that after the ascension of the Lord, what did the disciples do? They went and they preached continually, or they were rejoicing with great joy, giving blessings to God in the temple, praising Him and praying. But also in the evenings, locked away with Our Lady in the upper room as they awaited the power from on high to descend upon them. This is what we are called to as we celebrate the first day, if you will, of the first novena of the church, the first nine days that the church prayed continually for one intention, the gift from on high, the Holy Spirit. And so as we begin these nine days, we enter into that same prayer, awaiting from God an ever new outpouring of his Holy Spirit upon us, 
so that under that anointing and under his power, we might proclaim the great mysteries of Christ, his passion, his death, his resurrection. One last point. The angels said, as we read in the first reading, that the Lord will return to us in the same way that he was taken. And we see that he was taken by disappearing, if you will, behind a cloud or behind a veil. This imagery has a very Eucharistic connotation, and that has, that's how it has been interpreted by many of the church fathers and the saints, which is that the Lord will come again in glory at his second coming, but he also comes to us behind a veil, the mystery of the Eucharist, as the glorified Christ is made present to us in the Blessed Sacrament. This great mystery has inspired many, uh, much literature, also many pieces of artwork. I don't know if you've ever seen the Paul Rubens. He has a very beautiful painting. It's called The Triumph of the Church. And in this painting, you have this woman, and she's in this chariot that's drawn by these two horses, and you have all of these figures that represent all of the virtues surrounding this chariot, and all of the enemies are being crushed underneath the chariot, and the woman who represents the church who's sitting in the chariot, she's holding out in front of her a monstrance with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. The victory of the church is won always through Christ. And the victory of the church is always won through the Eucharist because the Eucharist is Christ. And so that beautiful imagery is also what in that painting is what we celebrate in reality today. The church at the Mass holds up Christ in the Blessed Sacrament over all the enemies of the church, over our own selves so that we can be conquered by Christ in a very real sense through the mystery of the Eucharist, and that the virtues can live in us, and that we can one day go where the head of the body has gone before, into that glory with the Father for all eternity. Amen.